I started my recording. All right. Uh, do you want to sync up first? Yes. Before okay. we forget. One. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. And now Christina's going to vamp while I make the spreadsheet for our <laughs> personal use. No, you're good. You're good. Currently, I'm just dealing with the fact that apparently when you save something in pages on, in my case, my iPad, it's only accessible in that format. <laughs> like, I tried to open it with Adobe Acrobat and with TextEdit. <laughs> and it basically, I'm just very frustrated that I can't open things unless it's in the native file format because I guess Apple is just real bad about this, which is, you know, probably not surprising to... Anyone, yeah, that doesn't sound like uses... super great design. No, it really doesn't. Oh, hey, okay, here we go. I finally found the option to export in PDF, but it's so weird. I'm just going to work from pages. So I can actually say definitively that I have two and a quarter pages of notes for this episode today. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And also the good news is that I think my dryer will be done running in about two minutes which i'm assuming is about how long it will take tanner to finish the spreadsheet because they are spreadsheet wizard this is i'm at the like the bowl of formatting is already now i just have to input the data and that's the part that always takes the longest Mm-hmm. and my dryer is going to be going through the whole podcast but it because it just started but that's fine because the door is closed oh there we go okay mine just ended yeah that's <laughs> that's the downside of recording in the same room as my cat's litter box because i can't close the door during a recording <laughs> But the only other place to put her litter box is in my bedroom, and I don't want to have to smell that. <laughs> Especially not while I sleep. <laughs> I'm also currently scanning through the Wikipedia page for this episode, and like, the critical response... There are some interesting comments in here. <laughs> Glee has a tendency to oscillate between sappy and nasty, sometimes without any warning. <laughs> Ooh, hit him with that sap nasty. <laughs> oh god. I wouldn't go so far as to call the episode good. It was oddly lifeless, and the stakes seemed almost non-existent at times. <laughs> it has the feel of a show rediscovering itself. <laughs> uh, I agree, I do agree with that, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. No, it's just, it's so wild to me that it's like, I understand that Glee is like, is and has always been a scripted show with occasional moments of improvisation, but like, it's just wild to me that so so little of this TV series feels like it was planned more than two episodes in advance. <laughs> yeah, until this point. There's a lot of this episode that feels like they're going, trust us, we actually know what we're doing this time. Eh, jury's out on that. Ryan, Ian, and Brad. Brad's the, Brad's the <laughs> other writer. <laughs> I was like, Brennan? Brad? Yes. Janet? <laughs> Dr. Scott! Rocky! <laughs> Lisa Respers of CNN summed up, summed up the episode in a single word. Meh. <laughs> That's like the most 2011 response you could ever get. <laughs> oh good. Critics said the adult storylines were generally poorly received. <laughs> well, I guess the whole world hasn't gone mad. Yes. <laughs> oh, someone called Will insufferable and attributed this to Morrison's wooden characterization, the stilted Correct. writing, and the flat purpose <laughs> that the character serves on the show. That is all correct. Should this be the part where we uh, reiterate our, just our standing disclaimer that obviously we don't condone the horrible things that the actors on the show have done and we're not going to go out of our way to bring it up. Although I've noticed we have a tendency to like, just say, hey, this is mortifying and doubly so with real life context. I mean, yeah. Okay. I've just, I've just stated it just then. Just yes, now. you have. Yes. 
And saying, hey, they sang the song good doesn't mean we approve of them. It just means that, hey, sometimes horrible mm-hmm. people can have talent and don't, don't connect talent with morality. Yes. I think, you, I think you phrased it last season, or maybe it was even in the Glee Project, about like, like wow, Leah Michelle can be, not a, can be not a great person, but damn, she can sing, though. No, see, that's what they said on the show. And I said the opposite, which was, bitch can sing, but she's still a bitch. Oh, much more succinct. <laughs> yeah. Okay, the spreadsheet is mostly ready. I'll still have to make adjustments for when we have planned guests. Okay, but yeah, we don't have to worry about that for at least a couple of weeks. Yeah. Cool. 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 Cool, cool, cool. Do you want to start a podcast? Yeah, let's do it. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love this show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening. You're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Welcome to Loser Like Me. This is a Glee recap and review podcast. My name is Christina, and we'll always have Subway. And I don't need to be gay to do crimes, but it certainly helps. Tanner. (laughs) I've decided I'm going to take a page out of, uh, and while I'm not necessarily going to be quoting the show, I will say things that are tangentially related, maybe. Okay. In case you forgot that I was gay. (laughs) And in case, and in case you forgot that I don't, I don't much follow the drag scene, but I support them. <laughs> Christina does not consume media. <laughs> and you're probably thinking, but Christina, you have a Glee podcast. You can barely call Glee media. Yes, and the the thing is, like, I can I consume a lot of media. It is just that with the state of the world, I am falling back on comfort media, which in my case is a lot of the times let's plays of video games. <laughs> I think you could arguably call Glee discomfort media. <laughs> you got me there. I was sending a message to some people we wanted to see if they would be interested to be on the show, and I had to describe it as, Glee is a show that was made. Yes. Anyways, we're starting season three, <laughs> which some people might call the best season. Yeah, I'm, I am curious to hear, I'm curious to find out what, my personal opinion ends up being of season three by the time that we get done with it because like disclaimer right off the bat listeners like season three is where i started falling off the glee wagon mostly because by this point in 2011 like i had a job i had my first ever official job and i had a lot of responsibilities which meant that i really wasn't watching glee unless i was catching it on a rerun or, as happened more often, listening to the songs when they were posted on Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> and then downloading the versions that people made and posted with, like, the backing vocals removed. So, hey, it's an acapella track now, technically. <laughs> <laughs> and I, look, nothing about my Glee viewing habits changed. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, this, I've, I feel this is a very strong season. I'm sure there's going to be some real stinkers in the middle, but I definitely feel like it hits, like, a good last six episode stride last seven episode stride okay cool and that's uh, over a third of the season so oh nice yeah i i always forget how many episodes there are in a season of glee most will we because... will we have an episode as good as duets 
You know, maybe. We might. We, we might just. Who knows? Who knows? Anything is possible <laughs> at Flying Rhino Junior High. And at McKinley. <laughs> In theory, yes. Anyways, yeah, this yeah. is episode one. It's The Purple Piano Project, which means that if we don't think of any other funny zingers, we can just title this podcast episode The The Purple Piano Project Project. Yes. <laughs> I I have faith in us, and also we have a fallback in case we need it. Exactly. Uh, this episode was uh, mainly written by Brad Falchuk, uh, directed by Eric Stoltz, and aired for the first time on September 20th of 2011. I don't know what day of the week that was. Not that it matters. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was, uh, you know what, I'll just Google it. It was the 263rd day of the year. Huh. It was a Tuesday. Okay, interesting. I feel like Glee was always on either Tuesdays or Fridays, at least in the U.S. Oh, g- girl, it was all over the week, every season. I think it changed days of the week's mid-season, in fact. Oh, lovely. I know part of that's on the networks, but still. Oh, never mind. No, it was still Tuesday. All week was Tuesday. Every, all year. Tuesday. All day, every day. Every day is Tuesday. <laughs> what day Tuesday is, is today? coming. Did you bring your coat? <laughs> we should talk about the episode. We should. <laughs> Regrettably, we start with, with the menace of Glee canon, of Glee main series, Jacob Ben Israel. <laughs> But you know what? I don't mind it this time. I've I've come to appreciate the season, the Jacob Ben Israel patented season opener TMZ moments. Yeah, and he's. I I have to assume at this point that they've gotten some kind of feedback, and maybe also Joshua Sussman was like, "Hey, I want to be less of a creep, please." <laughs> yeah, because basically Jacob is just here to film all of the Glee kids and interview them about how their summer went. <laughs> What's your senior year going to be like? <laughs> I did notice that his microphone has JBW on it, but written in a font that resembles Hebrew, which uh-huh. I've decided is offensive. Yeah, yeah. Or at the very least, just, eh. It's like, come on, man. I think it says JBI, but like, but like the dot oh, yeah, on JBI. the I. I forgot, it, I forgot what letter his last the, name The dot with. on the I is a star of David, <laughs> so... You know, maybe that brings it back around to funny. I don't know. I don't know. Someone who's Jewish, please tell us whether or not this is offensive. <laughs> We're too goyim. <laughs> I feel like just the fact that it's in Jacob and Israel's orbit means it's not It's not going to fare well. Yeah, probably. Uh, but yeah, so he's interviewing the Glee Club, the kids, just the kids. He's not interviewing Will. Thank God. Will's too busy not having sex. <laughs> so <laughs> Finn definitely has plans. Yes. He's graduating this year, and he has plans. He has plans. They're they're plans. He has an action plan. They're very planned plans. (laughs) Exactly. He's got a board and everything. Yes. We established that Mike is a senior. Finally. Yeah. (laughs) A shred of characterization for Mike Chang Jr. (laughs) Ooh, this is Mike Chang's year, baby. (laughs) Literally, my note, Tanner, was, OMG, I forgot this is when they finally started developing Mike's character. (laughs) After two years. (laughs) Because he's a season regular. He's a series regular now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Mike is a senior, Tina is a junior, Artie is also a junior, uh, even though the camera adds a year. Wink. Apparently this is a reference because they established he was a senior in a past season, which I don't recall whatsoever. Me either. Also, Mike mentions that his mom has decided whether he's going to Harvard or Stanford. Yeah. Foreshadowing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then we cut to... Probably the best introduction for anyone who hasn't watched Glee before, which is Rachel doing scales. She sings, me, 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 you, me, 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 you. 
That's literally the only note I had. <laughs> it's Rachel and Kurt, and they're planning on moving to New York to learn performing arts. Then they'll be on Broadway by 20, Tony by 25, Legally Married by 30, do some a miniseries on HBO. Huh. They've planned out their entire Beaches life. And let me, let me tell y'all, the plans that you make in high school like this, very low success rate. <laughs> Mostly yeah. because life happens. <laughs> And as, as the season of Glee will establish, a lot can happen over the course of a school year. Yeah. Then we catch up with Mercedes, who mm-hmm. uh, rumor has it that she's dating Sam. And she says, yes, I was dating Sam over the summer. It was super hot. But now he has moved to Kentucky because his dad got a new job. And I have a new man. And we meet her new boyfriend, Shane Tins. I don't think they ever actually say his name on the episode, but his name is Shane Tinsley. Yeah. And he's a big, beefy boy of a man-boy high schooler. Yes. And he's he's very supportive of Mercedes. He's like, I'm just so excited for you to get your record deal and win win an... Not Oscar. Win a Grammy. And she's like, aw, thank you. You're so sweet. And like... Yeah. I do ship Sam and Mercedes, but this is adorable. Yeah, all, all, all my homies love Shane Tinsley. Yes, good for her. Uh, but yeah, so we will never see Sam again. Santana wants to be the Cheerios top bitch. Yeah, she's going to be challenging her ultimate Latina icon, Paula Abdul, to which Jacob Ben Israel points out, Paula Abdul's an Arab. Huh. Oh yeah, that's true. Her last name is Abdul. Why did everyone miss this? I don't know. Because white America. Thanks, white America. We then find out that apparently Brittany has been working on a time machine. This is also foreshadowing. <laughs> it's certainly foreshadowing for a part of a fan-on theory. It's foreshadowing for me! <laughs> <laughs> and this is the part where someone goes, wait, has anyone seen Quinn? <laughs> uh, then we circle back to Finn, and he's like mm-hmm. gets his in- internal monologue. He's like, man... I act like I know what I'm doing, but I really not. I have no idea what I'm going to do with my future or even who I am in the present. And then the hockey players all slushy him. Yes, and apparently they call him they call him a gliach when they finish slushing him, which was Emily Vasquez's catchphrase on the Glee project. They stole her thing. What's next? Do they get to use Skadoosh? I can't pay her royalties. Give Emily royalties. This is Skadooshgate 2. It is! <laughs> give Emily royalties. I want to give her five cents every time someone watches this show legally. Yep. Because, look, if we could monetize illegal video watches, it would be a very different society. Yeah, the the new mean jocks are the hockey players because Karofsky has transferred to another school after the shenanigans of last season, which means that Azumio, I guess, is no longer relevant, and I guess Beast has the football team in shape. So now the hockey players are the bullies, including one mullet head named Rick the Stick. Oh, Rick the Stick. I've heard of Rick the Stick in the context (laughs) of Glee. But yeah, the next scene is Will and Emma being painfully heterosexual. Yes. It's like a scene from, like, I don't know, pushing up daisies or something. It's like, they wake up in the morning and Will is like, hey, Emma, I want to have sex. And she's like, oh, no, I haven't brushed my teeth yet. I have never seen Pushing Up Daisies, but I feel like you're besmirching the good name of Pushing Up Daisies by relating it to Will and Emma's relationship. That's probably fair. It's like a scene from Desperate Housewives. Sure, I haven't seen it, but let's go with that. The desperate part sounds more accurate anyway. Yeah, yeah. Will looms over Emma in bed. He's like, hey, guess who woke up before I did? And I'm like, wow. R- g- g- timing. Wow. Great. This is fine. 
what a great way to get your to get your partner to have sex with you. Uh, I'm glad he got fired. <laughs> yeah, same. But they pack each other's lunches. They have what was it like a Superman and a Wonder Woman? Yeah, like metal lunchbox. Yeah, because this is the '60s and they're 12 years old. Apparently, and so they go off to school, and then <laughs> then Will Schuster. This season is no more, no more Mr. Nice Teacher, apparently, because he's like, <laughs> my quote, literally what I wrote down here was, he wants the kids to win first place at nationals this year. Look at the sad little 12th place trophy. Yeah, it didn't even grow over the summer. <laughs> God bless Brittany. And Will's like, we need to recruit more people because we are down three... We are down three Glee kids because Quinn disappeared off the face of the earth more on that later. And Lauren Sices broke up with Puck because Finn and Rachel kissing on stage at Nationals and them getting 12th place as a result of that tanked Glee's reputation and they are no longer cool and so Lauren and Puck part ways. Yeah, which sucks that we won't get any more Lauren, but yeah. also in universe good for her. Yes, yeah. And uh, Sam moved. So they are down three people, and Will's plan for this is improv everywhere. Yeah. Also, I just want to point out that uh, Tina says, Hey, Mr. Schuster, sorry that the guy who replaced you in April Road's musical won the Tony. <laughs> and he just kind of like grimaces, and he's like, mm, Yeah, well, that happened. Yeah. Suck it. <laughs> Will's plan is that he got some pianos, like refurbished pianos donated to their to their program by Almada the of Mata's pianos so like a local piano dealer and Will has painted them purple yeah, it's definitely not a front <laughs> yes definitely not a front but Will painted them purple and his idea was like we're going to position these pianos around the school and whenever whenever you see a piano you should burst into song and try to get other students to join you because that inspires joy and then they will want to join our glee club Sure, let's go with that. Because it's always out of touch Tuesday for Will. <laughs> <laughs> then it's career consultation time. Yeah, Kurt and Rachel go to Emma's office and they're like, hey, we have an exciting announcement. And she's like, finally, you two are dating. And she pulls out a pamphlet that's like, me and my hag. Yeah, <laughs> Kurt takes the pamphlet. <laughs> but no, it turns out that they've decided they both want to go to musical theater programs at Juilliard. Which doesn't have a musical theater program. <laughs> Which, th that does seem weird to you, right? Like, in real life, that seems kind of weird. Yes. I guess the context is that, I don't know, Juilliard wants to be more classical in their applications of the arts. Because, like, don't so many don't so many Broadway people come from Juilliard anyway? Probably. I'm, I'm doing a Google real quick. Juilliard does have a school of drama, and presumably also, a, like, a school of, like, comedy in terms of acting. Um, they have an acting program. Uh, yeah, Juilliard apparently does not have a musical theater program. <laughs> yeah, and I can't believe Glee never inspired them to create one. You know, you would have thought, but apparently not, no. So instead, Emma recommends them the musical theater program at a school called NIADA, the New York Academy of Dramatic Arts, I think? Yes, which is not a real school. Yeah, which is not a real school. Um, but, but a lot of people thought it was. <laughs> yeah. I think there's an NYCDA, which is probably what it was inspired on. The NICDA. Why didn't you just use the NICDA? Did you not receive any backing from NICDA? Yeah. 
One sec, let me see what it stands for. If I can spell it right. Oh, no, no. NICTA is the New York Conservatory for Dramatic Arts. Ah. And it's a private acting college, so... <laughs> Although they do have a musical theater performance program, so I'm assuming that's what inspired Niata. Anyway. <laughs> Wait a second, is that the movie that inspired fame? Uh, maybe. To another Google. Oh, no, because fame is the high school of performing arts. Oh, uh, yeah. Fame is high school, not college. Yes, it is about high school. And you know what else is about high school is this, po- is this podcast. <laughs> but Emma mentions that Niata has a very competitive musical theater program. They only accept 20 students per year. And luckily, they just so happen to have a mixer for prospective applicants at the local Doubletree Hotel on Thursday nights. <laughs> and Thursday nights, that's when Glee airs. <laughs> And so... Oh, wait, great- no, it's not, because the season was Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And also, I'm gonna be honest here. I completely forgot that the Niata plotline existed in this season of Glee. Really? <laughs> really. Because again, I was, like, I was watching sporadic episodes and various clips. I, I wasn't watching this season live. And oh, okay. so my memories of it are patchy. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay, yeah. so meanwhile... Uh, the Sioux plot is that she is mm-hmm. running for Congress, and she's currently stuck in ninth place behind Undecided, the rapist running from prison, and I don't know, stop calling me during dinner. <laughs> Which is funny. Yeah, the, the, the there's a lot of good moments in this little, like, mini arc of Sue runs for Congress. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of funny bits about the American political system. Yeah. And, like, to be fair, if someone did call me asking to pull me for the upcoming elections... And this is a big if because I don't answer any phone number that isn't already registered in my phone. <laughs> I would probably respond with stop calling me while it's dinner time. I've had a few calls which are like, are you planning on voting for us? And because I, I only get calls from the NDP because I've donated to them in the past so they have my contact info. But I'll get a mm-hmm. call I'm like, just so you know, an election's coming up and like, I stalked you right there. I already voted for you. I did it two days ago for early voting. <laughs> and like, oh, okay. Is there anything else? <laughs> no, it was all covered. Have a nice day. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> Also, please go vote, everyone. Please. Dear God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Sue is disappointed because, quote, I thought they wanted a candidate who was for something. That's why I took that pro-deportation stance. But I guess they need someone who's against something. I mean, you could just be against deportation. Or against well, no. or, or against the gun lobby. <laughs> or against toast. Yes. That is Becky's suggestion. Yeah. Bread's always been baked. I don't get why you need to cook it again. Yes. God bless Becky. And Sue says something to the same effect of like, Becky, you're great. Don't ever change. And then she scents blood in the water because she hears Tina playing the piano, the purple piano outside in the hallway. And Mike is just like doodling around dancing and stuff. It, it should be pointed out that they are playing chopsticks. Yeah. And I'm sure Chopsticks is a fine song in a vacuum, but considering it's being performed mm-hmm. by the only two Asian characters on the show, on a show that has yeah. a history of making jokes about how we only have two Asian characters, and look at how Asian they are. Where are they from? Fuck you, they're Asian. God, they should have just let them play Knuckles instead. <laughs> at least Knuckles is a song that I always heard it called, where it's like, you like roll your knuckles along the along the black keys on the piano. So it goes like, do 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 do
It's fun, especially when you don't have piano training. Or they could have had her play a real song, yes. but that would mean Jenna Oshkowitz gets to sing, and we can't have that! Oh, God! I know Tina's not going to get much more character development in the show, and I hate that for her. Well, she gets stuff in season four. Whether it's good is up for debate, but it happens. Yeah. <laughs> she does get several days in the sun. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that much, at least. <laughs> we like her. That's the important thing, is that we have taste. Yes, we love Tina. And hopefully you do too, dear listeners. <laughs> if you don't love Tina by the end of this podcast, then why? Why? Why are you here? Y'all? Why? 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 So anyway, Sue comes out and she uh, disembowels the piano. <laughs> yeah. She's got like protective gloves and a wire cutter and she just like completely, she, like Tanner said, she disembowels this piano and then she's like, I hate the arts! And the geometry teacher who was passing by says, thank you. I hate the arts, too, because they're not math. Those damn yep. art kids <laughs> on their damn phones. <laughs> Sue is like, I was really touched when you did that funeral for my sister. And that's why I spent the entire school year being nice to you. And then Tina points out, it is the second day. <laughs> yes. So this is Tuesday, listeners. <laughs> Presumably. Or it could be Wednesday. School doesn't already start on a Monday. True. I wish I once had a school day year. It started on a it started on a Tuesday because Monday was a stat, and then mm-hmm. the next or no, it's it started on a Tuesday, but then the second week of school had a stat, but that stat was on a Tuesday, so mm-hmm. we had a four day week for the first week and a three day week for the second week. I think my school years always started on either like a Monday or a Tuesday, with like the Monday being like professional development or whatever, you know, like teachers finish setting up their classrooms, kind of a thing. Yeah. Anyway, Glee club going up. On a Tuesday. <laughs> that was a song, right? I don't know. Yes. Anyways, the the point is the arts are bad. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and Sue so, so is like, now all I have to do is just convince every every math teacher in the state of Ohio to vote for me because I hate the arts. Wait, I could hate the arts. Exactly. Yeah. And then we have a clean date. A clate, if you will. <laughs> My only notes here were... Darren is so goddamn charming. (laughs) (laughs) And Kurt wants Blaine to come to William McKinley High School so that we can spend all of our time together because we're too competitive to date and be on opposing sides of show choir competitions. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder what'll happen. I wonder what'll happen. Meanwhile, speaking of (laughs) the queers, (laughs) we're catching up with Quinn. Hey, guess who had a big gay depressive summer? (laughs) It's Quinn Fabray. Guess who's got a case of the gender? <laughs> it's also Quinn Fabray. <laughs> because we get like a very sad and it's it's a very like sad and depressed, but I still go shop at Hot Topic kind of monologue from Quinn. <laughs> She's dyed her hair pink. She's dressing exclusively in like punk and goth clothes. <laughs> she has a nose ring. She has a nose ring. And an ironic tattoo of Ryan Seacrest. On the small of her back. Yee. She has this monologue about how, like, nobody ever understood my pain. And no one understood my pain, so I left Glee because they all hated me, and I I hated all of them. And then we see Santana and Brittany, like, because apparently now Quinn spends her, I guess her free periods at school, smoking under the bleachers with a group of other the group of other students who are called the skanks as in they call yeah. themselves the skanks 
I love the skanks. <laughs> yeah. So Tana and Brittany are like, Quinn, please, you are the third member of the Unholy Trinity. We miss you in both Glee and Cheerios. You should join us and then we could win. Do you want to win two competitions this year? Because, because, oh, oh no, wait, we don't know for certain if we're going to win the Glee competition this year. But, and I quote, Quinn Fabray says, and I quote, I'm not interested in the boys, the makeup, or the polyester outfits. <laughs> I'm like, what? Is she gonna join roller derby next? <laughs> the world may never know. Yeah. Also, we, we were introduced to the skanks. Uh, mm -hmm. We entered the crust punk dimension, and we meet Sheila, who's an evil Mercedes, Ronnie, <laughs> who's an evil Lauren, and Mac, who's an evil Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And they all have various lines about how edgy they are. Yeah. I did not write those ones down. Me either. <laughs> so Rachel, nor normal Rachel. Yes. Air quotes. Yes. Approaches him. Hello, Quinn. Hello, dot, dot, dot. Skanks. Mm-hmm. She's like, Quinn, come back. We're going to performing the Go-Go's at lunch. And who doesn't like the Go-Go's? To which Sheila replies, I prefer the bangles. <laughs> That's we fair. need your tremulous solo and your Belinda Carlisle glamour. <laughs> yes, Rachel is here begging Quinn Fabre to come back and join Glee Club. And Maybe make out a little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, Quinn is like, like half smiling and one of the skanks is like, I will give you ten bucks if you let me punch her right now. And I'm like, here's ten dollars. You got PayPal? <laughs> here's twenty. <laughs> But then Rachel says, again, and I quote, I'm sad for you, Quinn, but this is our year to get it right. You know, <laughs> like the totally heterosexual song that Quinn inspired last year and then they performed at Nationals. Yeah. The no song that Quinn behavior. inspired in a totally heterosexual moment of angst on her part. But the Glee writers are cowards. Anyway, it's time for Sue's Corner Corner. Yeah, it's... Uh... Gear change. <laughs> After a story about the zoo's bloodiest weekend in over six years, that's what I call pandemonium. <laughs> the zoo's corner is basically her announcing her candidacy for, I think it's for the U.S. House of Representatives. Is that I, I don't remember. Is? I don't remember if it's for the state house or the U.S. house, but she's running for a House of Representatives because she mentions her district, which is how it's divided, at least in the United States, I'm pretty sure. But... Sue was running on the on her platform of defund the arts programs in public schools because this isn't personal, Will Schuster. <laughs> her caveat is defund the arts and then funnel that money into trying to ensure that every student is reading at grade level. And then once everyone's reading at grade level, you can have the arts back, <laughs> which is like weird take. But I mean, I guess it's not the worst. <laughs> Yeah. It could be worse. She could have said, defund public schools and give all the money to me, Sue Sylvester, a cheerleading coach. But that wouldn't get her elected. No, that's just American politics. <laughs> Joe Manchin. Yeah. But yeah, so then the next day, Will storms into Figgin's office and he's in a rage and Sue is also there. And mm -hmm. he's like, the arts is great because studies show that kids who are invested in the arts don't do drugs. Also, if you... I, I'm going to pull up the... <laughs> Music education equals less substance abuse. <laughs> Music education equals higher SAT scores. Music education equals better education. 
to quote but the Glee project. But also, music education equals Will gets to stay in a job, which is important because if he doesn't have his job, he can't convince his wife to fuck him. Also, Will teaches Spanish as, mainly, theoretically. <laughs> On paper, he teaches Spanish, but no, that's like that's his yes. other big thing is that he's, he's like, I need a job so I can impress my in-house lover. Yeah, and he's like, Emma won't have sex with me. I don't know what I'm doing. He wrong. starts just unloading his baggage <laughs> on Sue and Figgins, who are like, we generally don't give a fuck. Good. This is this is not helping your case to support the arts, William. No, no I wanted to fund the arts. <laughs> I specifically want to defund Will Schuster. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so he's fine, and Sue has better things to do. Like, she's mm-hmm. uh, appointing Becky and Santana as co-captains of the Cheerios. On account of the fact that, like, Santana brings the cheerleading skill and Becky brings the wrath of God. Yes. And hilariously, both Becky and Santana are upset with having to share the position of captains. Santana says some kind of heinous shit about... Well, no, she, 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 she says, I don't care if you have a disability or how many chromosomes you are. I, oh. I, uh, this isn't a quote after this, but basically she says, I don't give a shit if Becky has Down syndrome. But the fact that I have to share the position of captain with another person means that I might end her. And Becky says essentially the same thing. Yes. I missed Santana's full line. (laughs) I had no concerns over this scene. I liked that Santana makes the queer like, I'm not being ableist. I'm just being a standard bitch. Just like Becky is. (laughs) (laughs) I missed the the first part of Santana's line, so thank you for the extra context. Yeah, no. Santana Santana has has done nothing wrong in her life. (laughs) Santana is... Actually, no, hang on. We know that Rachel's not a Vriska because no one actually likes Rachel. Honestly, I think the closest thing we have to a Vriska on Glee is Finn. <laughs> I'm just gonna put that in Sarah Zed's Tumblr inbox. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, you have to ask her that one. <laughs> Hi, Sarah Zed. My co-host told me to, to ask you if Finn Hudson from Glee is a Vriska. <laughs> <laughs> just say friend, because actually no, do say co-host, because maybe she'll find our podcast by accident. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Anyway, Sue gives Becky and Santana a mission, which is to destroy the purple pianos and make it look like an accident. And Sue is like, and Santana, this won't be a problem for you, will it? Because I know you have enjoyed Glee in the past. And Santana's like, yes, Sue, my allegiance is only to you. I promise. Absolutely. Not quite that robotic, but it's, you know, it's not I don't think she says anything. I think she just gives a pointed look. I thought she said yes. Maybe she did. I was watching this episode very quickly because I did not have a lot of free time this past week. (laughs) I did not pause it. Yeah. And I watched this episode uh, yesterday before I had to go run and give my friend's cat insulin. Like daily dose of insulin, not like emergency. But yeah. Yeah. Oh man, they're having a pet emergency, but I got to finish Glee. No, no. Pet emergency (laughs) comes before Glee. Yeah. Anyways, Anyways, it's lunchtime. It's the hot time for hot lunch jam. The Glee kids are all sitting together, even the Cheerios and the football players, which is great. I like being friends. And then Rachel storms over. She's like, have you noticed that there is a purple piano in the corner of the lunchroom? And Finn is like, we've been trying not to notice it. Like, Rachel, please, we don't want to sing in public. We don't want to flash mob a musical number. Sorry, I got distracted because I was watching Hot Lunch Jam from Fame. <laughs> we no, should, you're good. Yo, we should watch Fame for our hiatus movies. Is, if it's on the list already, let's get it on the list. We, we can watch both Fames. Oh, cool. 
Oh, no, wait. I think it was Mercedes who says, like, oh, no, there's no piano here. We don't see anything, and neither do you if you know what's good for you. <laughs> but then Finn is like, how is anyone going to believe that we can go to nationals if we don't believe in ourselves? So they're like, fine, we will begrudgingly have a beat. Yes. And they do have a beat, because then they sing, we got the beat. And they do got the beat. They do. They're having a good time. Brittany, Rachel, and uh, Santana are on lead vocals, which is cool. They basically dance on the lunch tables and stuff. My note here was, Santana's having such a good time, how is she going to spin this to Sue? If the other <laughs> Cheerios tattle on her. If I was Santana, I would have told Sue that she has to partake in at least one normal musical number so that they don't suspect anything. Mm-hmm. And then, it, it's it's fun. Like, there's a part where Puck is doing push-ups on a lunch table to, I guess, impress the people who are sitting there. Yeah, including uh, Sugar Mata, who will become relevant soon. Uh-huh. In the next scene, in fact. But then they get done, and they're just standing there, and there it is deafening silence. No one is applauding. And then Becky runs up and slushies Rachel, which starts a food fight. <laughs> and there's spaghetti flying everywhere. Ketchup and mustard is apparently just being, like... People are throwing packets like they're like they're flashbangs. Kurt is trying to shelter himself with a lunch tray. Mike yeah. and Brittany are raging back and throwing spaghetti in turn. Yeah, Brittany's like dancing in the slop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, I just want to point out that the, the first spaghetti thrown in this food fight was such a weak-ass throw. It doesn't even hit anyone. It just kind of flops on, at Puck's feet. Uh-huh. And then he's like, oh no, oh no. Not that, not quite that, like, pathetic, but just that dramatic. <laughs> and then we see the aftermath of the food fight next. Namely, yeah. everyone is, like, wiping themselves down with, like, Clorox wipes <laughs> or something. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> and they're in the choir room and they're doing this, and everyone's like, Mr. Shu, your idea was pretty bad. Look at this piano. It's got ketchup and mustard on it now. <laughs> yeah, which means it's utterly useless. Apparently. It's just on the outer casing. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Brittany has pepperoni in her bra. Those are your nipples, Brittany. <laughs> and then in comes Sugar Mata, fresh out of the DeLorean. <laughs> fresh out of the TARDIS. Oh, wait, we haven't talked about this yet, have we? No, we haven't, because... So, there was a fan theory. And by fan theory, I mean the fans started it. But then Vanessa Lenges, who plays Sugar Mata, got in on it and was an active proponent of it. Yeah. So this is a partially ascended fan on. Yeah. And what was it, Tanner? It was that Sugar was Santana and Brittany's daughter from the future who traveled back in time to meet her moms and make sure they got to back together, uh, back to the future style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, again, th this was the season where I was like half consuming it via people reblogging things on Tumblr. And I remember seeing the scene and I was like, or seeing this theory and I was like, you know what wouldn't be the craziest thing that Glee's ever done? I think it would have been a lot of fun, though. <laughs> yeah, and also, like, other characters get sucked into this theory, too. Like, oh, Rory is going to be Curtin Blaine's son from the future. And yeah. uh, Harmony is Rachel and Quinn's daughter from the future. Yeah, like, I was... Like, going back and forth. Sometimes Harmony was Finchel's daughter. Sometimes Harmony was Quinchel's daughter. Sometimes she was Quinchel's daughter, but with Finn as, like, the sperm donor. Yeah, I, I saw some of that last night when I was, like, looking up. I was trying to find, like, 
the first posting of the theory that Sugar was Brittany and St. Hannah's daughter from the future. And I found a, I found an RP blog on Tumblr that was all of these future kids coming back. And and it's, again, it's not something I ever took part in myself. But damn, the Glee fandom was wild, huh? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Sugar in the present. <laughs> she introduces herself as... What I wrote down here is, I fake having Asperger's so that I can be a bitch with no consequences. <laughs> yeah. what she So her actual quote is, I have self-diagnosed Asperger's, which means I can say whatever I want. I'm like a diplomat's daughter. Now that last sentence is funny, but the whole self-diagnosed Asperger's thing put a lot of bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Yes. Um, I actually know a friend who stopped watching Glee because of that, because hey... Self-diagnosis can be a legitimate tool, especially when getting official diagnoses can almost make the stigma worse mm-hmm. <laughs> for any mm-hmm. mental issue. Yeah. And also just the the self-parkification of ideas of Asperger's, which is just like, oh, I'm gonna randomly cuss, when no, it's like, it's like just like repeated tics, essentially. Yes. And then there's theories that maybe Asperger's is just another part of the whole autism spectrum, and da 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 I'm not a psychologist. But the yeah, point is, same. yeah, Sugar walking in declaring that was an issue, but I think it also like gets dropped after maybe one more episode. Yeah, I was reading up a little bit about it yesterday, and apparently the creators did get some pretty, some pretty reasonable criticisms about Sugar's character and then changed them, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good, because Sugar ends up being one of my favorite Glee characters, but it's mm-hmm. like, it's after she, like, they figure out her character, and it's more just like, she's just kind of weird. Yes. <laughs> We're not going to ascribe problematic labels on her and use her as a punching uh, as a punchline about mental illness. No, mm-hmm. she's, maybe she is on the spectrum. Maybe she's just a little bit goofy like her mom. <laughs> yes. But yeah, basically, after after that line... She says, you guys sucked ass, but I'm better than you, so I'm here to audition and save this glee club. Get ready to taste some sweet ear candy. Hit it, hottie. <laughs> yeah. And God bless Brad. Because she auditions with the song Big Spender. Which, as I've said, is already a bad song. Yes, as heard on season one of Glee Project as performed by Ellis Wiley. And Sugar's tone deaf. <laughs> she has no sense of pitch. Yeah. She was the the character in the like the press release was described as being born with a silver spoon and a tin ear. Oh, that's good. That's a good description. Yeah. And there, there's a part where Artie says like, "Wow, may, like maybe I should give her my handicapped parking spot." No, he says maybe I should give her ears my parking spot. <laughs> oh, her ears, her, specifically her ears. Just the ears. <laughs> Everything else banging. Ears, nah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. But yeah, she she finishes her performance, and then she's like, cool, text me when we have rehearsals, and Will's about to see something, and Rachel's like, well, shut the fuck up. And then to Sugar, we'll be in touch. And Will's like, but the thing is that Glee, Glee should have anyone be able to get in. And Rachel is like, I refuse to rot in this insignificant town and having no talent schmucks like Sugar will only keep me in this, in this dirt poor town of Lima, Ohio. I hate it here. Yeah. Anyway, are you hungry? Am I hungry? Is this a segue? It, it is a seg because Coach Beast is hungry and he's got an entire rotisserie chicken for lunch again. Yes. He eats an entire chicken with every meal. Yes. 
And Will is like, well, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know how to cut sugar because I don't want to cut people from Glee. And Coach Beast is like, well, I had to cut like 60 students from, or 60 people from football because I want to give my students, the people on my team, the best shot at winning without having people on the team that drag them down. And then Emma walks in and she's like, well... Sue declaring that she hates the arts and Will Schuster on public television put her up in the polls last night. And Will is like, this means war. Yeah, she's just passed undecided and anyone white. <laughs> oh, yeah. And also after Will declares war, Emma's like, oh, is this what her being turned on feels like? And no, it's not, Emma. You're asexual. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Anyway, it's time for a musical number. Yeah, Kurt has brought one of the pianos into the auditorium, so he and Rachel can sing Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead from the original Wizard of Oz before the Nyata Mixer. Mm -hmm. And they're like, this'll really show them! Kurt is dressed like a munchkin. I mean, he's always dressed a bit like a munchkin. Well, Let's be real. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. But he has... <laughs> In this scene, he's got high-waisted plaid pants with, with like, suspenders. <laughs> and from a trunk, he produces two black witch hats and also two brooms for them to for them to dance with and stuff. It's mostly Rachel on lead, which I was a little bit disappointed about, because I feel like this is going to set the tone for the whole Niata plotline. I glazed over this song because I don't think it's a good song either. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fine. I think it would have been better if they would have let Chris sing more of it, but... Mm -hmm. Anyway, the next scene is blissfully short, and it's Cheerios tryouts. Yeah, Sue's holding Cheerios tryouts just to see people cry, because she's not actually going to accept anyone. Yeah, and then Will is like, Hello, Sue Sylvester, I am here to rain the revenge of the arts upon you for daring that you would defund arts in public schools, and also that you hate me, Will Schuster. I am here- have a glitter bomb. And Emma is recording this whole thing, and my note here was- I'm glad this happened before hashtag canceling, because <laughs> the scene would have been insufferable. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, moving on to the next scene, Blaine yes. comes up to Kurt, and he's like, hey, Kurt, how's it going? And Kurt's like, ah, oh, I'm stressed about the Nyata mixer. And then Blaine's like, hey, Kurt, have you noticed that I'm in your school in normal clothing? Uh-huh. And my note here was Kurt is in a double-breasted scarf, <laughs> but Blaine is in a very nice, like, black shirt, bow tie. <laughs> which will become a whole thing. Get ready to see Darren Chris in a lot of this exact outfit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Kurt is like, oh, wait, oh my gosh, Blaine, you didn't transfer to William McKinley High School just for me, did you? Because I don't want you to, to give up your dream or be at the Warblers. I'm like, Kurt, you literally said that like five minutes ago, honey. Yeah, well, it was like a day ago in real life or yeah. in, in showtime. Yeah, and Blaine is like, Kurt, 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 I transferred here for me because I want to be around the person that I love. And Kurt is like, okay, well, uh, how? if you want to do Glee, we can figure out a way to ease you into the program. And Blaine is like, oh, I've got this covered. <laughs> <laughs> and then smash cut to It's Not Unusual. Yeah, on a scale from one to ten, how unusual would you say the song is? I would say the first three quarters of it are pretty usual and then the last quarter is quite unusual yeah <laughs> it starts with blaine just like he's just vibing around the outside the outside lunch stairs while kurt is just standing around awkwardly and we see various student body people in the background blaine's dancing on the stairs and santan and the cheerios join in for backup dancing 
And it's kind of cute because there's some parts where it's like Blaine and Santana are like doing like, hey, we're friends. We're going to jam a little bit together. But at the end of the musical number, they shuffle Blaine out of the way and towards the rest of the Glee kids. They surround the purple piano that was being used in this musical number. They dance in a circle around it, douse it with lighter fluid, and then a flicked cigarette from uh, Quinn sets the whole thing on fire. Smoking is bad, kids. (laughs) (laughs) But also, I really like this musical number. I think it was a lot of fun and it's very good. (laughs) Yeah, it was quite cute. Although, I also like during during the number itself, we do see some shots of Quinn just like staring with disgust. Mm-hmm. Ugh. How dare you do the Carlton dance? <laughs> he does it quite well. Not as well as the actual actor, but still pretty good. Yeah. So the next scene, we are off to the <laughs> Nyata yeah. mixer. Yes. And Kurt and Rachel arrive there to find Spider-Man the Clone Conspiracy. <laughs> so real real quick, I do want to mention that when they walk into the Doubletree Hotel... They're in the lobby and they're like, oh, and this is, okay, so our plan is that we're going to walk in with our boombox and then you're going to get the prop set up and I will hit play and then we will sing and perform a musical number. And they walk past a sign that says, Niada applicants left, gun show right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they walk in and they are greeted first by Lindsay Pierce! <laughs> Hey, it's Lindsay! I literally, like, she showed up on screen and was like, it's Lindsay! <laughs> I forgot how early she showed up in the season! Yeah, so apparently this role was not actually written for her. It was Mm -hmm. a role they already had planned, and when Ryan said that Lindsay would get two episodes, he realized that she would be perfect to just slot in here. Yes. So Lindsay is playing a character called Harmony. Yep, she never got a last name. No, she never got a last name, but she is, she greets Kurt and Rachel like, Hi, I'm Harmony, what, like, like, what are your names? Where do you go to school? What are your credits? Yeah. Also, the other, some of the other kids that greet them are named Pendleton, Canada, and Gavroche. Yes. And they are literally dressed in previous elements of Kurt and Rachel's wardrobes. Yeah. The, the one named Gavroche looks like Bill Hader. <laughs> I don't mean that in a derogatory way. He looks like Bill Hader. It's kind of freaky. But yeah, they're so excited to see new faces because they've been meeting here every weekend for, since freshman year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Harmony's like, oh, I've been acting since I was a fetus. I was the Gerber baby. And also a, an ultrasound of her was featured in an episode of Murder, She Wrote. Yes. <laughs> Which I also, that threw me off the first time I saw this episode, because I thought Murder, She Wrote was like an old, old show. I didn't realize that it went into the 90s, and it was one of its comp- com- one of its competitors was Friends. Really? Yeah. Huh. And this is the part of the episode where I hit pause and I tell you that you guys should all subscribe to Pushing Up Roses on YouTube and watch your series that time on Murder, She Wrote. Hashtag non-spawn. Absolutely. Heck yes. <laughs> but yeah, also then Harmony is like, do you guys want to sit down and then we can show you this musical number that we've been working on? It's just a little thing that we've been putting together. And they sit down and then they go to school. As in they get schooled. They fucking work and they slay and my wig is snatched. <laughs> It is a mashup of Anything Goes and Anything You Can Do. Yes, which is brilliant. Harmony is on lead. Lindsay Pierce kills it. She holds a note for 11 seconds. 11 seconds, oh my god. Which sounds sounds short until you have to hold a note for 11 seconds. My note here literally was <gasps> rolling back from a microphone. Wreck her shit, Lindsay! <laughs> <laughs> There's a part where she like walks over to... Rachel and Kurt and she's like standing by Rachel and she's like anything you can do I can do better 
and <laughs> there's there's like a tap sequence. At the end of it, they have a flashbang <laughs> while Lindsay is pointing dramatically at Kurt and Rachel, and like f- like a fire goes off in front of them, and I'm like, ah, yes, intimidation tactics, good. You can hear Kurt make a bird noise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it goes off, and he was like, ah. <laughs> yeah, and this musical number is so good, y'all. So good, y'all. It really is. And I have a fun bit of trivia about this musical number in particular. Would you like to hear it? Sure. So, quote the Glee Wiki. As the filming of Harmony's scene occurred before the announcement of the winners of the Glee Project, due to Ryan Murphy's having decided she suited the already written role, special measures were taken to ensure that Lindsay, that Lindsay Pierce's presence in the episode wouldn't spoil the finale. As a result, Lindsay Pierce was rushed onto the set with a blanket over her head, <laughs> and the Fox press release for this episode omitted her guest star credit. They put a blanket over her head to get her on set. <laughs> This is MCU behavior. Yes. <laughs> MCU behavior, but not MCU budget. <laughs> also, Lindsay, I'm so sorry. But Rachel and Kurt are intimidated by a flashbang going off in front of them. And then we cut to them in their car. And it's alternately raining and not raining. And they're crying and they're like, I've never been so humiliated in my life. And I'm like, good. <laughs> and that's a high bar. Mm-hmm. Rachel says there's only one thing they can do. Uh, they're going to have to move to another town, erase their identities, and resign themselves to a life of community theater. Hey, what's wrong with community theater? Everything, according to Rachel Barry. Yes, and she's like, what if we're not good enough to make it? I'm going to die alone. And Okay, <laughs> that's nice, Rachel. Yeah, and then Kurt is like, okay, I'm going to put an end to our pity party. Because Rachel, you're so special. Rachel, you can't give up. Because I won't let you and I'll get you into that school if I have to kill someone myself. Because Rachel, you're so special. The most specialist girl. <sighs> I do like how Kurt's like, yeah, so what if we don't have any theater credits? Because Cabaret never happened and Rocky Horror was cancelled. Mm-hmm. And he's like, now let's go get some extracurriculars to boost our college applications. <laughs> Yee. They're just, they're just giving Rachel a serious case of Red Ranger Syndrome, huh? Okay. Sure, Rachel. Yeah. Sure, Rachel. We are in the home stretch. <laughs> we are. Yeah, so the next scene that we get is Will waking up the next morning, and he's like, Emma, I don't want to go to school. I don't want to tell Sugar no. And Emma is like, well, last year you were a man of planning, and this year you are a man of action, and I find men of action hot. And he's like, that's all the inspiration I'll ever need. And then he, then we <laughs> cut to him telling Sugar no. <laughs> yeah. And she slams her locker and she's like, I was the best girl in there. You'd need me. I worked that song like a hooker pole. <laughs> and she storms off and Will is sad. And Sue's like, great job. And Will's like, no, I hate crushing kids' dreams. And Sue's like, I don't give a shit about that. I, you've made me a martyr. It turns out that being hashtag canceled and posted on MySpace? YouTube? <laughs> I think it was just the no- Oh no, it would have been YouTube. Yeah, Emma was recording. So wherever they posted it... Daily Motion. Yeah. <laughs> it got to enough publicity that she is up in the polls, and this is why, and yeah. Oh, Will. I don't I don't think Will could have done any course correction there. I think Will did the right thing in this one singular instance, uh, and the rest of the problem is just society, man. Yeah. Anyway, time for Will to do another wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> is the wrong thing letting Blaine join the club? <laughs> 
No, no. That would have been no. hilarious, though. Fuck you, Blaine. You transferred for nothing. <laughs> Wait, the the next scene is just like, hey, it's Glee Club. Yay. Blaine is here. Everyone loves Blaine. And I think it was like, Finn is like, well, just so you know, Blaine, we're not the Warblers. We don't have coordinated outfits and dance around and have lots of money in our gay Narnia closet. Well, the thing he was mainly saying is that it's not a one person show. Which Oh, that's true. Don't worry, Finn, it's about to be a two-person show. Rachel and Blaine. Rachel and Blaine forever. All the time, Blaine, Rachel, Rachel, Blaine. <laughs> Blachel. <laughs> but yeah. Will is like, we need to be united if we're gonna win if we're gonna win nationals this year. And we still need to recruit people. But first, Santana, I'm kicking you out because of arson and disloyalty to the Glee Club. I mean, I kinda get it, but he should have recognized that she was being manipulated by Sue. Yeah, I think I think Santana should have gotten to say something, anything in her own defense. <laughs> well, S- Santana says Sue made me do it, and then Will's like, "Brittany didn't do anything," and Brittany's like, "Yeah, because I'm a water sign." Yeah, I'm a water sign. <laughs> I like to imagine that means she's a Pisces. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know astrology. All I know is that you can read any sign to make it sound like they're the worst sign ever. I yes. I think the the most heated discourse in the High School Musical fan, the High School Musical, the musical, the series fandom, after whether Ricky or whether Gina should be with EJ or Ricky, is the debate after after like they declared certain characters' signs in a song for a brief line and was like, this doesn't match their personalities at all. Look, I'm gonna be honest here. My only interest in astrology is the aesthetics. Yes, I love it for a narrative purpose. I will not apply it to real life. Yes. And I like going through and seeing and seeing those like Instagram memes about like, oh hey, here's your Studio Ghibli film to connect that's connected to your zodiac signs, just because it's fun. I like looking at those things, and if I see that like the dirt worst one is a Scorpio, then I know it was made by a Homestuck. <laughs> that's two Homestuck jokes in this episode. <laughs> Dang, Tanner, how come Christina lets you have two Homestuck jokes? <laughs> because I love Tanner and I want them to be happy. And because I can't be stopped also. You have no control over me. <laughs> That's true. You have no power over me. Blasts you back into the maze as I abscond with my baby brother. <laughs> but I, I, I cannot control you. But I can call Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just distract Lindsay. I'll be like, hey, Lindsay, have you heard of this event that happened in the 80s? And people are like, oh shit, Russia. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Anyway. Where was I? Um, Santana leaves Glee Club, and she's like, fine, I don't need you guys anyway. And Brittany looks bereft, and Will's like, anyway, unity! Yeah. And Rachel announces that they have secured the rights for West Side Story, which is a much less controversial musical for them to perform. Uh. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, it, at least in that time, I'm, I'm sure the movie West Side Story that came out recently got criticized for daring to say, that you, you know, like, Latino people were people. Mm-hmm. I thought it was. I, but, I heard more criticisms about the fact that they included Ansel Elgort in it at all. So I, I'm almost certain that's not his name, but he doesn't deserve it. Anyway, <laughs> no, it's Ansel Lovegort now. I said Ansel Elgort. I don't think he did, but it's fine. Also, Kurt is here to announce that he is running for senior class president because the writers forgot that that was a thing that sometimes happens in high schools until now. The beginning I of mean, the school year. I mean, that was justified because they didn't have any seniors that were characters before. Yeah, I guess. But it's like, 
literally go to a high school. See how things work there, perhaps. Yeah, I've truly never understood having a class presidential run in the same year. Like, senior class president, and you're going to get mm-hmm. elected, like, We November. had our elections. Yeah, my, my class had our senior elections, I think, in, like, April or May of the previous, of, like, of the preceding school year. So exactly. Like, like, the idea was that you elected someone, like, at the end of the school year, so they would have the summer to plan things, like prom and homecoming exactly and graduation instead of okay you have three weeks to plan homecoming bye yep anyways tina um, is sad because the pianos died but then will is like the pianos are just like us you know Dead. they're they've <laughs> they've been lit on fire and disemboweled and covered in food but they're all minorities <laughs> god i will never not fail to to make me sad laugh. <laughs> and Rachel's like, I have just the song for this occasion. Yeah, because y- you know how before they got the beat? Well, now you can't stop the beat. Exactly. And they sing, you can't stop the beat. Because you-, you can't. You can't. Yeah. It starts out with a piano solo from Rachel. Where she's like, you can't stop the avalanche. As, as Brad is doing like, ding, 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 ding on the piano. But then it, like, smash cuts to all of them in the auditorium, all dressed in purple to match the pianos, and just singing and dancing their little hearts out. Yeah. It's very much so trying to be season three's Don't Stop Believing. Yeah. I, which is not I, I a dig, but it is a it is a comparison. <laughs> it's fun. They let Mercedes sing Motormouth Maybell's part at the end. Um, obviously. I mean, that's kind of a given. It'd be weird if they gave yes. that to someone else. Yes, it would. In the full version, you can hear Tina and Artie sing Seaweed and Penny's Penny. verse. Penny, yeah, Penny. Which, it's too bad they cut that from the episode, but I also guess it makes sense because they're singing about if anyone tries to stop them, they'll call the NAACP, and it's like, what are they going to do for you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, fun fact, I never knew, I, for the longest time I didn't know that that was the, what the lyric was, NAACP. I thought they were saying, I'll call the end of a lacy P. <laughs> and I thought that was just like 60s slang. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's fun. They do some fun some fun stunts and jumps and Mike and Brittany do a fun dance. And during this, we see we see Quinn st- like observing from the rafters like the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, because she really is dubious sad. Yes. She really is dubious sad. <laughs> And that's the end of the episode. We all get that's a we get a ha ha look at how good we did, yay! But it's not the end of our episode because now we have to say what's your gold star song. Except you started, so I'll go first. But I'm pretty yes. sure it's the same. Could it possibly be? <laughs> I forgot what it's called. Fuck. Anything goes. Anything you can do, I can do better. Exactly that one. Is it possibly that song that we like? That's gonna be my vote. Although, special mention goes to It's Not Unusual, because I think there was a point in 2012 when I did just have It's Not Unusual on loop on my iTunes. Well, you know, that's not unusual, but I, I am also saying <laughs> everything that it's all... Why can I not remember the name? There's too many words. <laughs> everything you can do, I can anything goes the better of. Yes. So we got that in agreement. Tanner, what's your gold star moment? Gold star moment is... Let me think. 
just go through my Rolodex of the episode. Mm-hmm. See, I feel like, much much like how we said at the beginning, this episode doesn't make a huge impact. It's basically just setting up, like, here's what season three is going to be about. There are seniors mm-hmm. and a musical and an election, and Santana's off doing her own thing. Mm-hmm. They also imply that the Quinn plot will go on for longer, but then, like, actually, let's do a different Quinn plot. That could have been good, but we're glee, so it won't be. Um, I think yeah. my favorite moment is when Sugar says that she worked that song like a hooker pole. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. How about yourself? I'm scrolling back through my notes and I'm trying to think of a moment that just like really stuck out to me as my favorite. You know what? I think I'm going to make it that Mercedes and Sam had a relationship and they separated on good terms and now Mercedes has a boyfriend who loves and supports her. Yay! Yeah. Mercedes knows her worth. (laughs) Yes. Because God knows the writers don't. (laughs) And are we slushing the Asperger's joke? Yes. Good. I'm glad when we agree on... The worst. Yes. Although I also appreciate that we have times where we're like, we're gonna like, I know we don't do by the numbers here, but I like the one where like, these things are both bad, so we're gonna split the difference, and then they, and then both things will get mention of being heinous. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this, also, I think that was like, the worst, okay, it was that, and then the top six part. Yeah. I'm gonna stick with the Asperger's joke. <laughs> yes, same. Those are the two big standouts for me. The rest of the episode was actually decent. Yeah. It's not, it's, it didn't blow me away. It very much felt like a prologue of the season. Yeah. It did a lot of, like, it did a lot of, I guess, like, front-loading for plot lines that will be happening as the season continues, which is not a bad thing. I'm just very curious to see how often and how cohesively these narrative lines are followed through on, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Okay, so now that we're done the episode, Lose Like Me is part of the Corner Podcast Network, and we can be heard on your podcasting platform of choice. If we're not there, let us know, and we'll work on getting there. We can be found at LoserLikeMePod on Twitter and through LoserLikeMePod at gmail.com on email. Next time, it's a unicorn. It's a unicorn! The Charlie unicorn? <laughs> Charlie! 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 We're going to Candy Mountain, Charlie! Charlie, you look quite down with your big sad eyes and your big fat frown. The world doesn't have to be so gray. Charlie, if your life's a mess and you're, or you're feeling blue or was in distress, I know what can wash your cares away. All you have to do is put a banana in your ear. Uh, I know the rest of the... <laughs> I do plan on singing that to my nephew, whose name is Charlie. If he ever is sad. Has Charlie ever bit you? Actually, no. Okay. <laughs> Although he did try to feed me cold, mushy carrots the last time that I saw him, which was <laughs> sweet, but also disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Anyway. Podcast. Podcast. Let's count Three, two, one. And, and that's, that's what you what missed, missed on Glee. On Glee. Just, Just go, go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love this show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening. You're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Ah, like like oh, crap, they took my kidney. Ha, 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 ha.